Welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host, Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy. Hey, my name is Jonathan. I'm the founder of Solo Media. Um, we are a remote dev agency that specializes in e-commerce, Shopify, and WooCommerce. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the Remote Work Podcast, Jonathan. Can you tell me the most exciting thing that you're working on these days? I think the most exciting thing has been productizing the agency. I know everyone that has an agency says that, but we've been really, I think we found this really unique sort of like middle place in the agency world for e-commerce that, that uh, it's, been, it's been paying off pretty well. Awesome. And I know just from back from just from like your background, you have a really interesting and awesome experience for how you started your agency largely off of Upwork. Can you maybe give like a little background on how, why, what led you to that decision and how you were able to use that as a jumping off point to now having a pretty large agency? Yeah. So I think Upwork is a, the reason I loved Upwork so much is, well, first I, I, I know that that's where I would go to find a developer or a marketer. Right. So I knew that if I was using that, there's a ton of other smart people using it. Um, and the best part about Upwork, it's, it's not like you're looking like you're not forcing a sale on anybody. You just have to prove yourself to whoever's on the other end that put a job post that you're the one qualified for that job. Right. Um, so for me, it was the easiest like non-friction place to find business as long as you can differentiate yourself from the competition. And believe it or not, the the competition, the the big differentiators, most of them are not willing to be people. They're not willing to get on camera or send a loom video. So like it felt really easy to find business in the beginning using Upwork. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And you just bring up a really good point of like not being afraid to like actually be human in these conversations and not just be a robot. Um, can you talk a little bit more about like how that approach scaled for you and how you were able to create all those Loom videos and be able to kind of get that initial traction? Yeah. So I think, um, at the very beginning, it, it wasn't scalable, right? Because in the beginning, I'm trying to figure out what are people looking for, right? So you, I was going job post for job post, putting a Loom video specific to each one. Um, and what I found is that doesn't really matter to people uh, because there's the, you know, you're a drop in the bucket when there's a hundred people applying to a job. But if your if your message does get in, maybe, you know, if they do read it, not everyone actually watches the loom video. So what I figured out was, okay, the, the loom video, you can put a, a canned loom video for everybody. Hey, my name is Jonathan. And, um, you know, the, I, I just want to make this video to let you know I'm human. Let's hop on a call so we can understand your project. And that canned video, they know it's canned, but it's that call that really sells the project, right? And if the client's not willing to get on a call with me, then that client's probably going to be hard to work with, right? So that was kind of like my filter. I scaled it by saying, okay, after I figured that out, I said, I can just mass send this stuff. And the person that gets on a call with me, that's where I have to shine, right? That's that's what's going to set me apart. And so you, you start booking a lot of calls per week, and then my goal was always like five calls a week. And uh, once we get to, you know, once you start getting in enough calls, you realize people are kind of having similar problems, which is how you end up niching down. Absolutely. Um, and like once you, like you, so you went on this process, you kind of grinded through getting that initial traction. Can you talk a little bit more about how you were able to really scale your team and be able to deliver uh, like really great quality results? 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so what ends up happening is as you solve enough problems for people, you start getting better at solving and you realize that everyone, like, uh, and, and that's why we started niching down in WooCommerce or Shopify because we are, we, we, we started figuring out how to solve those problems. And once you start figuring out how to solve those problems, like you get on a sales call and it's, you, you're saying, hey, wait, let me guess. This, this is happening to you. This is happening to you. This is happening to you. And, and it's like you're speaking directly to them and they're like, oh, how'd you know? And at that point, um, you're like, okay, cool. Well, let's, you know, you don't, you can pay me through Upwork or we can do this like this. I have a process that I work through. Um, if you, and eventually you get enough people off of Upwork. And then there's like this compounding effect where, hey, I, uh, I actually told my friend at this business meeting about you. And, or we went to an e-commerce event and we, know, we, we, we saw somebody that had this problem and I, I, I recommend it to you, you should be getting an email. So you get this compounding interest effect of referrals of the sales calls. And sometimes a sales call might not go well, like it might not be a sale, but if you did a good enough job, it might be a referral, right? So I always try to put my best foot forward. So to answer your question, that compounding interest after two, three years was it gave me a good base of clients and it gave me a good base of like revenue to be able to say, hey, like hire people that I could have full time, right? Um, one of the big things for the employees that I have is they're, they're, they're very entrepreneurial, just like you or me. But there is a, a, a nice thing about stability, right? Every company wants like, hey, I want monthly recurring revenue, whatever. So with my, my developers, I give them a lot of freedom. But I also tell them like, hey, look, like if this is going to be your main gig, I want to make sure that, you know, we'll pay you the 15th and the 30th and you're going to get a good salary that you can live, you can support for your, you can support your family for. Right. So that gives them that loyalty towards the company, towards us. And I always give them the work that, you know, we, we do good work. So they enjoy it. And there's a team culture that ends up accidentally coming out of that, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And can you talk about, maybe talk a little bit more about what your team structure is like right now? Yeah. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's evolved. Um, it's, it's definitely evolved and the way we structured it, uh, we, we, you know, I, sometimes I forget how many people we have. We have 15, 15 developers now. And the way we structured it was we have two teams of five each. One of them has a, a manager. Uh, so each team has a manager and these two teams work on just project-based work. So their personalities are uh, personalities that just like to get work that's new, finish it and move on to the next new project, right? So there's, that's, I, I was able to like, that's their personality. And then I have a, a, another team of five that we call the support team. And that support team uh, basically manages the people that stick on like stick stick around for us whether they have retainers or they're constantly giving us work we sell them blocks of hours they're the ones that manage those clients um right now we're kind of in a, a weird place where support is growing faster than the project work so we're trying to figure out how to scale that without you know having to hire too much because 15 is a lot of people to manage Absolutely. And as your team has grown um, in size, what are some of the ways that, like, have you started to, like, hire managers yet? Or what are some of the yeah. ways that you're able to make sure that everyone feels supported and included within the team? Yeah, and I think that's one of the, the big growing pains we're having. So each of those three teams has a manager that runs that, right? And kind of giving them more responsibility is, is a, what I'm having a hard time. And it's also giving them ownership of that team where, you know, hey, you know, you you have an X amount of budget for this team. Uh, this is how much it's going to cost you. You figure it out. You can give out bonuses. So that's I haven't figured that out completely. So I uh, 
I'd say I'm like, I'm still pretty involved in like the actual management, but the managers are, are they're trying to take that away from me. And I appreciate it because I do, I, uh, I think that's it's just a, a big problem I have. It's a control problem, right? And I think uh, the, the quicker I let that go, the, the better the, the company will run because I'm definitely not the smartest one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that takes a lot of self-awareness to even kind of get to that point. So kudos on that. Um, my kind of question that I have is when you have these three, I think you said three managers and three different teams, mm-hmm. how did you go about actually hiring them? Did they kind of get promoted from within the ranks or did you actually go out and immediately hire a manager? Can you maybe talk a little bit more about that process? Yeah. So these guys, I mean, they've been with me since the beginning. So these guys have been with me, you know, from when we were doing the Upwork sales and we, we laugh sometimes cause we're like, man, like now we're, we're doing a project for uh, Snoop Dogg is opening up uh, some sort of e-commerce store. We're laughing. We're like, remember when we were just like putting out stupid fires on Upwork, um, so like these guys have been with me from the beginning, which is, which is nice because there's that loyalty and trust and they have like that, they know where we came from. The hard part about it is there's also a lot of bad habits that came from the beginning where we had no process and now we have a process, right? So it's like, we, we're, we, we're working to undo those bad habits that we created. Even, you know, I have my own bad habits because at the beginning you'd have no structure. You're just trying to make money. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about some of the processes that you put in place recently? Yeah, so I think, um, so the cool thing about the developers is them as engineers, they started, they saw problems with the workflow on, you know, just actually doing the work, committing the code, deploying to servers. So I'll, I'll keep that completely separate. But what I've been doing on working on the business side was I actually hired a part-time sort of like, I called her an executive assistant, but I'm, I'm realizing she's more like an operations. And what, what I had her do was kind of get on a sales call with me from the beginning all the way to the, it end. And she documented the process completely. And then from there, we started saying, okay, we need a form here. We need a canned email here. So Valeria, who's who I hired, she's been going on every section of the business. So support, project-based, you know, and she's been documenting these processes. And what's been really nice is that gives, like, we've been having monthly meetings with the team and they can see it's a lot of clarity because it's all drawn out with the flow chart. And they're like, oh, and that clarity makes it so that there's a, everyone knows what the next step is, right? As opposed to like, John just made up the next step or, you know, the the client is trying to throw us off here. So it's a, believe it or not, by the way, Jessica, the the client likes to see that process too, because they feel comfort in knowing that there's some like, oh, these guys know what they're doing. They have it figured out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's super brilliant that you actually, like a lot of people would be like, oh, I'm just going to go in as the agency founder and, I'm going to go put my head in the sand, either put my head in the sand completely, or I'm just going to keep putting off, creating all these SOPs and these processes and flowcharts. Um, when in reality, I think you kind of approached it in a much smarter way. Now, I don't really know if this is kind of your intention when you brought this person, when you brought on your operations person, but the fact that like, hey, one of our first projects was going in and mapping out those things, like, A, you're getting someone to build out those processes and B, like they're coming in from a fresh perspective because they haven't been there since the beginning. And you nailed it. And that was my favorite part. So like we have like that help desk, which has its own portal. I, I, I run it through SPP, but it's become its own beast. And I was like, hey, can you go in as a client and purchase a block of hours and let me know? And like all the questions you have, let's write them down and make a knowledge base. Can you go inside and buy a subscription? And now we have a knowledge base. So like the onboarding to that, 
to that help desk is so easy. We have a canned email. Welcome to the welcome to the help desk. Here are all the things you need to know. And it was because Valeria, like you said, came in with a fresh perspective. Yeah, that's super smart. And what are you using for the, are you using SPP, SPP for the knowledge base or do you have like separate ones for internal stuff within your team as well as external to clients? Yeah, so um, we have, so we're using Notion for internal and we were messing around with like, so this is one thing that I'm learning. Like I used to just put out the, like tell the team like, hey, what do you guys want to use for knowledge base? And everyone's like, oh, let's use Gitbook. Let's use that. Everyone has different opinions. And then I, I, we never like agreed on one for the client facing. And I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to cut the BS. And I just, I just said, let me search for a WordPress plugin that we can get this to market. Because what would ends up happening is you're learning a new software or you're trying to build one out from scratch. And I found this WordPress plugin called Better Docs not associated them to at all. And all we did was install the plugin and got to the races. And now we're adding some, like some CSS to make it nice. We're making it look much better. We're, you know, we're making categories, but like, I've learned that like, just, just the quickest way to get it out has always been the best method. And that was a, a WordPress plugin for our WordPress site. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's just like, you don't need the most polished thing ever. You just need to like iterate on it. Exactly. Um, Kind of shifting a little bit gears, but like, it sounds like you have a really tight knit team, many, you know, employees or contractors working with you since the beginning, which kind of spells a lot, which usually is a signifier of like a really strong leader. How, what are some of the ways that you've been able to kind of facilitate like team collaboration and such a strong company culture? That's a good question. I think, um, I think that there are moments, uh, this is something my, my father taught me. There are moments in people's lives where they need, where, where if you're there for them, they'll never forget it, right? So for example, like a, a wedding, right? Like if a friend invites you to a wedding, that's a big deal for them. Like if you're, you show up, they'll remember for the rest of their lives. So I think about there's moments in a lot of these guys' uh, lives that they might've been like, hey, like COVID was a big one, for example. There was a time like COVID, everyone was so nervous. Uh, you know, it seems like so long ago, but I remember that feeling where even I was like, oh shoot, like, this is going to be dangerous. I remember everyone had that feeling. And I remember I had a, a call with them. I said, look, no matter what happens, I will make sure that we are good for a year. Like I have, like, I will, even if we don't sell one project and, um, you know, that, that gave them like, oh shoot, like this guy's here to, to, the, to, to ride with us, even if we go to the flames. Right. And whenever um, a client comes around and it's like really rude and they get nervous, I'm like, Hey, look, man, you're more important you're the most important part of this company. You're, you know, you do the work. I'll talk to the client, but don't be, don't be nervous. Like I'm always on their side. And I think always being on your employee side, as opposed to like, you know, why the hell did you do this? The client saying this, it, it, it creates a bad culture. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I know that was a long-winded answer. No, it was actually really good. And I actually wanted to follow up on something you said there, which was you kind of say like with COVID and you made a promise almost up to your team where it's like, hey, you guys are going to have a job for at least a year regardless of what's happening in the world. And that's like a really strong thing to do. Can you maybe talk through a little bit of a going back to March of 2020, like, you know, when the pandemic really started to become a thing where it's like, oh, wow, this is really serious. What were some of the strategies you did back then, both from like the agency side, as well as with your team in terms of communication? Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, uh, the first thing was we we had a lot of unpaid invoices and we had a, a bunch of people saying, hey, we're not going to pay these invoices anymore because of the pandemic. Right. So I didn't even bother trying to fight with them or, or think about it. I said, I just need to move on to the next one. So, you know, whatever amount of invoices that was, I said, this is gone. If it comes back one day, 
whatever. But I just counted it as a loss. And then I went right back on, on Upwork and I was like, well, I'm going to have to grind it out on Upwork until I get this, you know, until I get more clients. And then I started, I, I went through my old list of clients and I was like, hey, we know we're dealing with the pandemic. You know, how are you guys dealing? And just following up with old clients, getting on Upwork. And believe it or not, like the first month was nothing. But after things started quieting down, you, I don't know if you remember, e-commerce started picking up, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, people started saying, well, if everything's going to be remote, we need to figure out how to do remote stuff. So like restaurants were just trying to figure out how to, you know, sell on store. So then things slowly started picking up and I would take any work we could just to keep ourselves busy. And then, um, yeah, that's that was just my 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 technique. I, I, it wasn't like a wasn't really well thought out, but I was like, if I grind enough, something's got to happen. Absolutely. There's something to be said of just like, you know, sheer willpower and just a little bit of hustle can oftentimes unlock a lot of opportunities. Exactly. Um, going back kind of going back to like your experiences, even before you started this agency, were there any like, you know, if you could tell yourself like from day one of your agency, like going back to day one of your agency and what you know now, what's been the most surprising thing you've learned from a leadership perspective? That's a good question. Um, I think, you know, and I'm sure if you, you read enough books and you always realize like every, everyone always comes to the same conclusion. And sometimes you're like, well, I'm different. I'm different. But as you get, as I get deeper, like into there's different phases and the phase I'm at now, I'm realizing like most of those things are right. If you hire the right person, you can move ahead faster. Right. And uh, it's always hard to, to say that because you're like, well, it's, it's going to cost me money. So, you, you know, when you hire somebody, for example, especially with these lifestyle businesses like mine is it, it takes money directly out of your pocket. Right. And that hurts. And but every time I do that, I take a couple steps back in terms of income. But then I see in three months in this giant leap forward. And uh, what so I'll give you an example with Valeria. She's you know, she's a, she was a more expensive hire who was the person that's like this, like who's been helping me with operations. And I was really, I, I could have did that a year ago. And I thought about it a year ago, but I was just like, oh, I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to spend the money. The second I've hired her in three weeks, we've seen so much improvement and, and so much confidence in the team with process, so much confidence with the with our sales calls, so much confidence in me and being able to deliver. And I was like, I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. you know. And that's only that she's part-time. So um, in the beginning, you know, I wish I would have seeked better advice from higher level people, whether if you can't afford them, maybe it's like a consultant or a coach, or if you can't afford them, a higher level employee. Absolutely. What are some of the traits that you look for when it comes to hiring a person on your team? Yeah, I think, uh, so I'll tell you a funny story. We had a, we hired, so a lot of our team is from Latin America and, uh, I hired somebody here in, in Florida and I said, well, I'm going to, you know, train this guy on the company. It's going to be a lot. It's obviously going to cost me an American salary, but that's fine because, you know, my goal is to have him like an account manager, or maybe, you know, figure out that he, he can grow into somewhere in the company where he'll have more responsibility. Um, but the first thing he did was he went into the channels and he, he started trying to like change what the process of what everyone's been doing. He's like, we should do it like this and we should do it like this. And I re- and and then people were like, hey, like, you know, my team was like, hey, we don't we don't do it that way. This is why. And he was like, yeah, but you guys don't know. Long story short, he was very entitled and he wanted to be like he, he wanted to like 
do leadership, but without having to prove himself. And then on top of that, like he didn't put in his time. Right. So like what I realized is everyone that's been on the team comes in almost like they come in humble. Like they're like, okay, like I'm coming here to learn. Even if I know more than the other developer or I'm senior, I need to first learn this process. Right. And then that's step one. So I I like to see people that are willing to learn and willing to adapt. And then step two is uh, somebody that is not afraid to ask for help, right? Because everyone needs help. And I tell them like, hey, everyone on this team is willing to help you. You just have to ask. And help doesn't necessarily mean that they're smarter than you. Help means that you don't know how to do this or you know, maybe you're stuck here, just ask. And the people that, that stay on for forever is because they don't mind hitting somebody up on Discord and saying, Hey, Jessica, um, I, I saw that you said that this is how you did this, you know, this WordPress plugin. Can you show me how you did that? Let's hop on a call. Those are the people that that stick around and they make friendships that way, too. Right. Like that's that's a, that's what I look for. Communication inside the team and, and just people that are like humble and willing to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like being like self-aware and humble are like baseline traits that some people don't realize make amazing leaders. Um, it sounds like, and if you don't mind me asking, like this account manager that you hired didn't work out. What were some, like, and oftentimes because they weren't a good culture fit. Um, what were, you know, when you realized that was going to be a thing, how did you approach it? And yeah. Yeah. So I think he, he messaged me on the side and he was like, your team thinks they're too good. Uh, and I'm a senior developer and they're not taking any of my advice. And I said, Hey, Nick, like you know, did you ever think for a second that they've been here for three years? Did you ever think for a second, instead of trying to lead with you being better than them, lead with like, hey, this is how you guys do things. Can you teach me? And then I, and then after you learn their way, say, hey, let me show you a better way. Yes, that is a longer route to what you want, but it's the right route, right? Because it makes people feel comfortable. And he was like, yeah, but, you know, I make more money than them and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, that has nothing to do with the, their time in the, in the business, you know, like you, you, this is, this is just as much their baby as it is, you know, mine, because this, they've been here from the beginning. They, they, they're the ones that built this. So you automatically telling them, you know, a better way it there's, it's going to hurt their feelings, at least show them that you respect their opinions and then show them a better way. Right. I think it's, it's like common, just understanding how to communicate with humans. But uh, he obviously didn't have that trait. He communicated well with me, maybe because he respected me. But for some reason, he didn't respect the team, maybe because they're from Latin America. Maybe, you know, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, that's always a really rough position to be in. From that experience, did you take anything away from that in terms of how you even screen people that you're bringing onto the team to make sure that they do have those traits that are important, like being humble, self-aware, able to ask for help and not kind of assume that they know it all? Yeah, I think the big thing was, you know, I I never realized what it looks like from outside going in to just drop somebody in a, you know, let's say a Slack or a Discord with a bunch of people you don't know, right? And uh, so I thought about it, instead of looking as like, he was a problem, I said, well, what did I do wrong in this situation? And I realized, well, yeah, you just dropped this guy in a chat and said, go to work, you know, and that's not the right way. The right way would have been, and I think about my experience when I worked corporate is, hey, I'm going to assign you a mentor. This is your mentor. You know, say hi to Jessica. Jessica was in your position three years ago. She's going to show you the ropes. And if you have any questions, go directly to her first, right? 
And, you know, maybe you can incentivize the mentor, like, hey, you know, I know it's going to be extra work for you, but let's, you know, let's talk about a bonus if he sticks around or something like that. And that's what I learned. I said, you, you have to, you have to make it easy because not everyone's able, you know, not everyone's able to just say, let me, let me text Jessica or let me message Jessica. It, it is, there is a little bit of fear there, right? It's a new person, a new place, a new everything. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great point. And having like, I feel like you said mentor system, but I've also heard like buddy system in the past. Yeah. It sounds like, like overkill, but it actually can be a really, really good situation for, you know, a new person coming in to a team. Yeah. And, it's you actually know, the, one that is so tight knit. Yeah. And, you know, it's weird because we're, we work remote teams. So you think that this stuff doesn't matter, but it does, you know, there's a human behind the computer that wants to be accepted into a group that they just got brought into. Right. And I, and I, I didn't think about that because I was just so caught in my day to day, but I was like, that makes sense. You know, you're, you're, you want to be accepted and it's just human nature. And, you know, you get into a chat and one thing is they're all speaking Spanish. He speaks English. And, you know, it was like, I didn't, I didn't think that through. Absolutely. Um, it's a bit random, but it does tie into this. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? And which one do you think makes a battery leader? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, uh, I've come to learn that I think I'm more introverted because I, I've, uh, I used to think I was extroverted, but then I would realize I'd leave really drained from social situations. So I was like, hey, you wanted to be an extrovert, but you're actually an introvert. And I think, um, uh, yeah, I, what makes a better, which one would be a better leader? I think it really depends. I think, I think it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. I think it matters if you're self-aware. I think that, you know, sometimes extroverts are, are you know, are categorized as being loud and trying to like be, you know, talk over people. But if you get the right extrovert, they're really self-aware where they, they can talk a lot, but then they'll say, oh, but Jessica, I didn't get to, you didn't tell me about your experience, right? So like, I think uh, that's, you know, and then there's introverts that are, they don't seek that communication. So then you, you can be a bad leader, but you can also be an introvert. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm like you too, you know, like you can. So I think it doesn't matter. I think you just need to be self-aware and be able to say, what is this person thinking at this moment, especially because we're remote? And how do I kind of put their mind at ease, right? How would I feel if I was deaf? So I, I don't know if that answered your question. I think the, the, the answer is, as long as you're self-aware, I don't think it matters if you're an extrovert or introvert. Absolutely. Um, and on the topic of self-awareness, um, what are some of the ways that you've kind of been able to kind of keep yourself in, I, I don't want to say like keep yourself in check, but like <laughs> really cultivate that habit of having a really strong EQ and like making sure that you are kind of keeping in mind everyone else's perspectives in addition to your own? Yeah, I uh, I think there's a couple of things. So um we have three three girls that work on the team it's a it's it was mainly all men for a long time and uh erica alex and valeria work on a team now and working with women made me realize how unself-aware we were all as men (laughs) because i would speak to alex and she was like hey you know that's not the right way to approach that and i was like she would keep me in check. And I was like, oh, I'm glad you brought that perspective. So um, it, I think uh, I've, I've really now I really have a really high appreciation for working with with women because I like that they like I like that they challenge me. I like that they challenge the team. And it's even cooler because now there's like a level of respect that they command from all the guys on the team where it's like, hey, 
you don't say those things in the chat. Like, let's not, let's not talk about that. Right. And, uh, she, you know, she, she's been, the, the girls on the team has brought a lot of self-awareness. And then second to that, it's also being married for 10 years, uh, has helped me because it's really easy to just worry about yourself all the time. But, uh, being married for 10 years, it, it, it challenges you to be more like self-aware and realize that they're not the only person living on this earth. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I always like to round out all these conversations with a few lightning round questions. Cool. What's one book you'd recommend that all leaders should read? Hmm, that's a good question. Let me think. What's the last book I read? Let me let me pull up my Audible. Let me see. It, it sucks because I think I can only go back to like a book that I, there's like these books that, that stick around because you've, uh, you know what? I learned a lot from that book, Outliers, but I'll, I'll explain why. Outliers has nothing to do with leadership, but I'll explain what was a big takeaway from Outliers that helped me in leadership. So Outliers, uh, basically the, the summary of the book is that it talks about you know these, these cases like Elon Musk or Bill Gates, and they're like, how did they become successful? And you realize it's just, they were at the perfect place at the perfect time, right? But one of the chapter, like one of the sections of the book that helped me with leadership was, when they were talking about uh, culture fits. So they were talking about in Colombia, there was uh, flights that, you know, there were were airline flights that they had a high percentage of of crashing. The the Colombian airlines kept crashing. And um, they they were trying to figure out, you know, was it the planes? Was there errors? I'm paraphrasing, by the way. It's probably, a lot of it's probably wrong. But they were trying to figure out what, what, what the problem was. And then they found out that it was a culture problem where the co-pilot was, after going through the recordings, the co-pilot was scared to challenge the pilot. And that that fear of challenging the pilot usually led into dire results, right? So uh, that put into perspective to me, they ended up with the, the solution was they put the co-pilot in the leadership position to drive the plane and the pilot would be the person that had to report to the co-pilot. So now it reversed the roles, but it put into perspective for me, um, like, oh, you know, like sometimes people might be scared to, to approach me with something, or sometimes people might be scared to approach one of our managers or something. So how do we create that evil, even playing field so that there's a no problem with communication? And um, I, I try to translate that to even my sales calls or whatever I do. It's like, you know, how do culturally, how is, how is that person might be viewing this situation? Because uh, uh, even in the United States, we, you know, somebody from New York is completely different from somebody in Texas, right? So like, how do we culturally communicate that to make sure that we, we, we're meeting, we're, we're talking at the same playing field? So yeah, that's, I think it's weird that that was the one that came to mind, but it was uh, definitely something that helped me with, with, with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I often find like some of the best leadership books have nothing to do with leadership as you. <laughs> if you had to write a book tomorrow on literally any topic, what would you write about? Um, what would I write a book about? I think like my favorite thing, like I think the one thing that I could speak on and actually um, I have, I can offer good value at the place, like what I've done. So like, I, I like to offer, I, I don't like to give advice based on things that I think or read. I want to give advice on things that I, um, I've i experienced. And I, I, will, I think that I can give you, I can write a book and say, hey, Jessica, if you follow these steps in today's day and age, you can create a six figure, you know, you can, you can make a hundred thousand dollars 
in a year. And uh, that would be like, like you were, um, like you started in the beginning, like how to get on Upwork, how to do your profile, how to send out messages, how to close deals, and then how to deliver on those deals, right? Like, I think that I have that nailed down so well that like if some if tomorrow my business completely crashed, I think that I can go back and start there from, from zero if like everything went to crap, you know? So like, I would probably write a book on that and I think it probably, it could be useful. <laughs> it would definitely be useful. Um, well, it's been a really, really, really great chatting with you. Where can listeners find you online? Yeah, let me, uh, I'm trying to get more active on Twitter. So, uh, if you can go to uh, John three SS, that's my Twitter handle. And then if you, uh, want to see what we do, you can go to solomediagroup.co. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Cool. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.